Let's pray and let's uh, jump into the book of James chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word now, we pray your blessing on it. Because, you know, outside the blessing of the Holy Spirit, I don't think much happens here good Sunday mornings. If people have to endure my opinions, that's not going to shape our lives a little bit. The Word is what helps. The Word is what we need, Lord. The Word is what we that we set our compass by. So, Lord, just fill us with Your Spirit in a way that helps us to understand what You would have for us this morning. Break forth the bread of life in a way where Jesus Christ is glorified. We ask it in His holy name. Amen. My brethren, I love that right away. He's the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, the half-brother. He's inviting us, my brethren. Is is Jesus your brother? Yes. Natural? No. It's an adoption thing. I like that even a little bit better. We're we'll 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 talk about look at next week, but I'm gonna set the table. Verse fourteen. What is it, what is it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? I'm going to pray for you that you'll be warmed and fed, but I'm not going to do anything to help you. Well, that's not quite good, is it? I mean, we all see that. We're part of the family of God. And, you know, I think uh, criticism has been leveled at us like, oh, you guys, you're so, you know, anti-choice, you're so anti-abortion, stuff like that. But you don't do anything. What? That's ridiculous. I remember times here in the past when we've had a dozen kids who are either adopted or in foster care. Oh, we do plenty. I think in this church... I think Christian churches in general, I know all kinds of people who've adopted, you know. And it's an adoption. It's a it's a it's a it's a beyond. Well that's how our our family's set up. We're not naturally the children of God. We're God we're God's children by adoption. Jesus Christ we're we're in the family of, of God, Jesus Christ our elder brother. And it's all got to do with adoption. Uh, God, uh, can I can I put it this way? Putting his money where his mouth is. You understand what I'm saying? No, no hypocrite. He have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Glory, with respect of persons. I thought that phrase, the Lord of Glory, is interesting there. And I thought, like, what's that all about? Well, look at this. Look at this. We'll, we'll circle back around. Pick that phrase up. If a man come into your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there cometh in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, because it meant something else back then, right? Just meant, meant good clothing, right? And say to him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and have become judges with evil thoughts? Now, is this a problem in Maine? I, one time it was. I think one time I used to go to a church where like a tie 
was standard worshiping equipment. And there was a, a suit coat time when you're expected to wear a coat and tie to go to church. And if you came in looking like I am now, people would say, you know, what's, what's the dealio? You've got to give God your best. And I always thought like, best? You mean, I got a tuxedo, should I wear that? Should I rent one? So I have a, co- I have a coat, a suit coat, because, you know, if, like, when we couldn't hardly make ends meet, I did buy a coat one time, J.C. Penney, I think. It was a coat and a vest and two pairs of pants, right? And the vest was reversible, so each went with one. So you have two, basically, three-piece suits, but the coat was the same coat for both, you know. And the, and the kind of like the second pair of uh, pants, it was, like, checked. <laughs> and blue and white checker. It was, oh, it, I wouldn't wear it now. Look, it, would look, it would look really lame. People would, like, throw things at me, okay? I would just... Uh, and, and then you kind of, but you have to wear it every week because that's your best, right? Until it gets all threadbare and then you, I didn't have money to dress up. I just didn't. Now it's like, I can go and buy a suit coat if I want. And you always have to have one because you're going to be invited to a wedding or a funeral or, or a place where you have to dress up and look nice. It's not a thing like now anymore. You know, I went from that church to, Coat and tie church to Calvary Chapel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I was a step in the right direction. It's like, yeah, nobody dresses up. You know, it's like now a lot of churches they're not most most of them got it's not a thing anymore. But is it a thing? It still kind of is. We just don't do it by dress. We do it we, we make distinctions other ways. And let me go go on with that. But let's use the illustration that James get, gives us. Now I think, let's introduce the Lord of Glory back into the equation. You get a guy with an Armani $2,000 suit and you get a guy dressed like me, right? Off the rack, J.C. Penney, Old, uh, Old Navy, what, whatever, right? You're, you're, you're looking for the... You know, I go right to the 70% off section. I don't care if it's last year's season. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, and I... Because I, I... I like... I kind of think about clothes, and I, I like clothes, but I don't want to spend a whole lot of money because I don't, I don't feel like I have, you know, tons of money or something like that. And then nobody really seems to notice or care anyway. Sue said I look nice this morning. I care about her opinion. Nobody, else, nobody ever comes, hardly ever, ever comes. Let's wear something outlandish. I wear like a really loud shirt, and then I'll get, Garrett will say something, or somebody will say, hey, you know, uh, what's up? But nobody cares about clothes here. We're all we're really mellow about that. But think about the Lord of glory. Think about glory. Think about heaven, right? Because we, and we don't think in terms of like somebody comes and they got like a lot of gold, they got a lot of bling, they're like, wow, they got a lot of money. Do we care? No. If somebody strode into heaven like that, like I say, in two thousand dollar Armani, you know, you know the 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 what's the uh, what's the watch that uh, Rolex? They got a Rolex watch. They got rings on every finger and stuff like that, made of gold. In heaven, that's like what? That's gold is pavement. You care about the Lord of Glory? And you think anyone's noticing your Armani suit? By the way, I think that's why they give you white robes. We're clothed in his righteousness, so we're not all like, and there's a, there's an equality there, right? And I think that's a kind of a good thing. You know, it, you're going to like have this big wardrobe in heaven. You're going to open up your closet and it's going to be like, you know, 14,000 different. Because, cause I know, I know, I know, because most of the women look at that and say, oh, I got nothing to wear. You got 14,000. Yeah, but everyone's seen me in that. 
when you when you're talking about the Lord of Glory, you wouldn't we we wouldn't play favorites like that, would we? I don't think it's a thing with us. I really don't think it's a thing with us. Like I say in this way, but it it could be in other ways. We don't like you know. It could be the other way. Someone comes in the three piece suit or something like that. We'll mock them. <laughs> they won't do it twice in a row, right? Uh, it, it just because you know we're kind of laid back, we're casual. And by the way, you know we structure it that way. You know, there's no carpets or anything like that. We want the church to look rustic. We want to be like you know, we didn't want it to be opulent. We were aiming for an unopulent. Um, let's say we have like huge, huge reserves, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, who would do that? We'd get rid of it. Comes in, it goes out towards ministry. We've never had huge reserves. Let's say we did. We just couldn't even spend all the money that's coming in here all the time. We wouldn't spend it on carpets and drapes and finery. We wouldn't do it. We're not those type of people. We're not ostentatious. We, don't, we want people like, you know, blue-collar workmen to fill a home in church. That's kind of how we've always aimed for it. So I don't think this is a problem, but it it kind of is in this. So we don't okay. We're not playing favorites, and we don't sit people. You know, hey, here's this. It's funny to me because like most churches, like nobody, hardly anyone presumes to sit up front. And if you are, it's cool. Most people, the back is the part where everyone sits, right? You 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 know, you come late, you ain't gonna get a place in the back. And some people do it because you know. For different reasons, you know, they have like little kids, they don't want them to be disruptive. Or some people just want it, like in case I have to get out in a hurry. And that always happens. That has happened in over the years in ways that you don't know. I, if I say something and I'm teaching and somebody gets out and walks out, they don't like slam the door and stuff like that. You think they go in a little girl's room, a little boy's room or something like that. They don't come back. <laughs> That's why they sit in the back, so they can make a getaway. And I'm always like, okay, whatever. Hey, here's my promise. I'll never lie. I'll never lie to you. The, the, the word is so important. I would never, ever, I wouldn't even think of lying to you. Your friends lie to you. They even lie to you on Facebook. It's, everyone lies to you, and I'm not going to lie to you. But here's my other promise. I, I'm not going to promise you that you're going to like the truth. Now, if you have a problem with the Word of God and you go storming out, fair enough. Take it up with the author. I just deliver the mail. I don't write it. Uh, yeah, so we don't do that. Stand here, sit here. Sit, oh, wow, we ain't got a chair for you. Sit under my footstool. Yeah, who does that, right? You sit anywhere you want. There's no assigned seating. Actually, there kind of is. You know, if I'm looking for somebody who's here, I know where to look. Because you sit in the same place all the time. You got You're used to that. Well, I do too, so it, it's cool, right? And somebody's visiting, they get here before you, and they sit in your place. And you give them the, you know, the stink eye, like, who do you think you are? You know. Then you make sure you get here early next week, get your place back, and well, that, that can't, that won't stand. We can't have that. I either not partially seldom become judges of evil thoughts. Again, I don't think that's a big problem here. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of the world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? Now, I think this is an issue here, and I really do. We don't do it by poor and rich in that sense, but look. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath God not chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. Yeah. Yeah, he has. The gospel works great among the poor. Jesus pre preached the gospel to the poor. 
Poor in spirit? Yeah, that too. You need that to even become a citizen of the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It means theirs and theirs alone. So you've got to be poor-spirited. But I think beyond all that, and I say poor-spirited, poor in spirit. Subject for another time. We talked about that in, in, before in the past. Uh, we visited that on Wednesday night, five, six weeks ago, when we were in the Sermon on the Mount. You can get the recording. But poor. I mean poor, literally poor. Does the gospel work there? Yeah. Does it work among the wealthy? Not as well. Why? Because if you got living large and you're flush and you think you got everything, you generally don't feel like you need a Savior. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. The gospel works in third world countries. It works with people being oppressed. Does it work here in Disneyland? Not so well. We, it's come, it's gone. It's, are we going to see another great revival before the trumpet sounds? Oh, I pray that. With all my heart, I pray that. Do I believe it? No, I want to see it. I want to see it. doesn't look like it's trending that way. Pray with me. There's others who are praying for revival. We want to see it in the worst way. It's hard. In a, in a community where there's poverty, the gospel takes hold. But you have despised the poor. That's not us. That's not us. Do not rich men oppress you? Yes. Yes. Let me, let me say that another way. Yes. Affirmative. Rich men oppress us. So what do you got to do? We're against rich men? No. We're just against the oppression that a lot of rich men bring. Look, there are groups who want to take over the world, all right? Well, Adam, you're wearing your tinfoil hat. You're all conspiratory. No. No. They meet. They have dis discussions that are available to anyone to see. I'm talking about ones like Bilderberg and stuff like that. And they have like poor people make up the Bilderbergers or, or groups like that. No. No. No, no poor people. They don't have like a, hey, let's consult the poor to see what... They no. They just want to... And they don't... And they enslave us. Uh, uh, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat. I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. Nobody's drawing me before the judgment seat. Oh, of course they judge you all the time. They judge you all the time. There is... So we call it like New World Order. George H.W. Bush said New World Order in a speech, right? And then, of course, now, well, oh, I just think he was being what we all knew was going on anyway. Now they talk in terms of deep state. It's not a surprise to me. Listen, I, I can read the same handwriting on the wall that you can all read. I read. I just kind of wonder if you're paying attention sometime. There is a cabal. There are people who are trying to enslave us. Listen, does that surprise you? Isn't that biblical? We know it's going to be a one-world government in the end. Have you looked at the end of the book? Two, doesn't the Bible say the whole world lieth in wickedness? Literally, and I always try to emphasize it, the whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. The Bible says that. Is the author of the Bible wearing a tinfoil hat? No, it's what Scripture tells us is going to happen. Rich oppress us. They bring us to the judgment seat, or they deplatform us. I, we're not in front of the judgment seat yet, but I have an idea that's trending that way, and I have an idea, but for the grace of God, and the outcome of the last election, we'd be there now. And we are in some ways. They, they, you know, he, you, you tell, believe what we're telling you, then the name calling starts. Or you're racist. Whether you're racist or not. I don't even know any racist. I, I, I live in like Christian, Christianville. I, I work with a lot of people who aren't Christians. So get, don't get me wrong. But all my friends and all my acquaintances, most of them like are Christians, right? 
None of them are racist, even a little bit, even ever, okay? Uh, I, I, I was brought up in Boston. I know racism, okay? No, I, I'm just telling you, okay? It surprised my mother. She, I said, I live in a very racist society growing up. She goes, what do you mean racist? I said, we had Italian people beating up Irish people. That is very specific racism. I mean, it, it, and there were towns was all broken up. Okay, here's the Italian section. Here's where the Greek people live. Here's Chinatown. And guess who lives in Chinatown? And these sections are given to minorities, black and Hispanics. The, the blacks mostly Roxbury and parts of Dorchester. And then, you know, Jamaica Plain. They call Jamaica Spain because a lot of Hispanics live there. This is very, very racist society. If you were in the wrong part of town, that didn't go well for you is very, very, very racist. I know racism when I see racism. And so I'm hanging out with all my peeps here in Christianityville, and none of them are racist at all, ever. Ever. And they call us racist because it's like what, this, what they use. Because like if we don't agree with them, it, hey, you're racist, because they're going to like shame us onto their team. By the way, is it working? Does it work? Does, has anyone ever been name-called on or agreeing with somebody? Because it's like I'm not a deplorable. I don't know about you, but I'm not. Listen, rich men do oppress us. They do bring us before the judgment seats. They don't literally, but they judge us because we believe in Jesus Christ and the whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. It's not pro-God out there. I don't know if you notice this or not, but it, it, is, it is what the Bible says it is. Don't despise the poor. They are on our team, but the rich men, they oppress you. They draw you before the judgment seat. They judge you. Why? Because you don't believe their way. You believe in Jesus Christ. And you're an obstruction to what they want to... They want, to, they want the, everyone one world government. And, they're, and you're standing in the way. How dare you? And there's judgmentalism. No, I, I see this. Uh, so we don't have... It's not a thing like rich and poor for us. And we're not like... Uh, putting poor people down. We don't do that. We wouldn't do that. We know these verses, and we take them right to heart. We know that God loves everybody. And in America, I think it's a wonderful thing. And here in Maine, I think it's a wonderful thing. We're very, like, equal. You know, people from away, they, 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 you know, see where Stephen King lives, and they wow, and they see him in a restaurant, and they get all, like, and we see, like, celebrities, and we're like, yeah, whatever. And people come and they vacation, you know, like John Travolta and different ones. They come into our state and they, you know, vacation here. And we're all like, yawn. We don't care, right? Because we're not like that. We're pretty, like, equal, right? I don't care what you do for work. Yeah. You're a movie star? Yeah, okay, good for you. And that's kind of, I like that, right? But you've got to remember this. Don't d despise the poor. And, of course, we don't do that. But rich men, they do oppress. They draw us before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called? Yes, that's the whole thing. What's so detestable about you? What's so deplorable about you anyway? Your, your belief in Jesus Christ, that's all. I know you. You're lovely. You're wonderful people. People literally give you a shirt right off their back to help you out. You, you, you need some. We're, we're, here, we're here to help. How deplorable is that? I can list names and situations and where people have bailed me out of a fix time and time again. And you can too. People in this very room. Uh, why do they hate us so much? I love you. I think you're wonderful. How come they hate you? Because you love Jesus. Don't they blaspheme the worthy name by which you're called? They do. If ye fulfill 
the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Convinced is the idea of convicted. Listen, what's it all about at the end of the day? Love. And by the way, these poor and rich and equal, we get that message, we get this. But I'm talking about people who oppress you. Don't hate them. That's not the message, right? Love one another. It's, it's a royal law. It's according to Scripture. It's according to everything Jesus said. What's the most important commandment? Someone says to Jesus, a lawyer, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Another time he puts it in the, in the, in the verbiage of what we call the golden rule. Treat people like you want to be treated. In other words, love people. Treat them with love. Treat them with courtesy. Treat them with respect. But if you have respect to persons, you commit and are convinced, uh, you're convicted of law as transgressors. So we don't, we don't play favorites. Why not? Because God doesn't play favorites. God's no respect of persons. So we see people, and they're all creating the image of God. And so, so don't categorize. So you know, because we do this in the opposite direction. We see some people, and they're flushed, and they have a lot, and they're doing really good. And we think, yeah, they're not going to reach the God. They're not going to hear the gospel. And so we kind of prejudge and say, yeah, don't do that. Who knows what God's going to do, right? Don't do it in either direction. Don't look down on poor people. Don't look up to uh, rich people. And again, I don't think it's a problem here. I don't think we do it. But remember. Love one another. They're all, everyone's creating the image of God. If you have respect to persons, you're, you're committing sin. And you're, you're a transgressor. Say, yeah, okay, I don't really like rich people. They kind of, you know, give me the willies and, you know, they think they're so high and mighty and stuff like that. And, but that's all I do. That's the only bad thing I do. I'm a pretty good person. Otherwise, I go to church. Here I am, right? I give when the offering basket comes around. I'm, I'm a very nice person other than that. I don't care how you frame it. You do Because I think a lot of people think like this. I, I even sometimes think like this. When I'm confronted with my sin, I want to just... <laughs> boy, I want to justify myself. This little Philadelphia lawyer lives inside of every one of us, and he's not our friend. He's always here to tell us why our sin is okay. Is our sin okay? Never. <laughs> not a little bit, not ever. But there's that little voice inside you wants to tell you why it is. And he wants, well, I do this, and I this, and I this. Okay, I got this little, uh, not even a sin, it's kind of a uh, idiosyncrasy at best. Okay? And we just, all we do is just, with our verbiage, we just reclassify, restructure, and tell everyone how wonderful we are. And the Bible's saying, what are you talking about? Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. What do you mean? I mean, for he that said do not commit adultery said also do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Huh. You say, I never thought of it that way. Well, I don't commit adultery and I don't kill. Now what do you got? Uh, well, remember what Jesus said about committing adultery in your heart. Remember what he said about, you know, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Remember that. He's saying, well, I don't kill people and I don't, I just lie. Well, cheat on my taxes or 
Whatever your thing is, don't tell me you're sinless. I love you. I think you're wonderful. But I never said you were sinless. Ever. Why? Because I know better. And I'm not, I'm not, this is your brother who loves you. This isn't somebody who's judgmental, looking down his nose, you know, wagging his finger in it under your nose and saying how horrible you are. I'm just saying there is none righteous, no, not one. Present company included. Everyone on this platform here is wrought with just sin is, is there. It has been. It's continually trying to get take over my life, and it will be in the future. And don't say like, and don't, because you know how you do. You, you talk with somebody and you say, you know, about God, and they'll say, well, I don't, I don't cheat on my wife, I don't kill anybody. <laughs> You're still a sinner. You, you got that, right? Uh, you, you know, I just, nah. you, you get it. So speak ye, and so do, as they that are judged by the law of liberty. Let's visit here on the law of liberty. Is there a law that leads to liberty? Yeah, the Bible. You know, in uh, the Old Testament, 618 laws. 613, 618. 613, I think. Now I think about it. Maybe six, the six, over 600 laws in the Old Testament. I should know that, right? Uh, you keep them all? No. Should you? Well, there's some that have to do with, you know, killing lambs and things like that that we don't do anymore and we understand why we don't. We've, we've visited there in the past. We've talked about Sabbath keeping. Even the people who pretend to keep the Sabbath now don't. I have a friend, he's a Sabbatarian and he said, uh, you know, he keep the Sabbath and we think God has all these rules and this one here, all of a sudden it's no good anymore. I said, you're a Sabbath keeper. He says, yes, I am. I said, how about the Shemitah? Keep the Shemitah. I knew he was a gardener. This is a, this is a, this is a Shemitah year. What are you talking about? It's the seventh year. You can't, Sabbath is much more than week. You know, one day a week. And I explained it to him. And he was like thinking about not planting a garden. Went home and told his wife that. And she set him straight. You know what I mean? Because they have like tons of vegetables. And they love that. And they can and all that stuff. So I don't know anyone who keeps the Sabbath. Not really they don't. And we talked about the, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were in the, uh, the Jubilee year, and we were talking about that on a Sunday night, and how, the, you, know, the, the, you know, the seven years, and the, the seven, seven years, and all that stuff. I, I don't know anyone who keeps any of that. Um, but if you keep the law, and you know, so Jesus comes along, right? No commandments now, right? No, that's not true. So if you love me, keep my commandments. Did he add more commandments? He sure did. I mean, look, he sure did love one another. Ouch, that's a hard one. He, he, not only is, he, is, is like murder still taboo, adultery still taboo, he explained it in such a way that like makes, I think, all of us adulterers and murderers. He didn't, he didn't come, and he said it, yeah, I didn't come and do away with the law. He, rich young ruler comes to him, right? What, Master, what good thing may I do to inherit eternal life? Hey, you know the law. And he goes, he recites it to him, right? All these things have kept my youth up. What lack I yet? Well, by the way, if you kept all those things from your youth, why do you think you're lacking anything? Because the law can't save you, and the rich young ruler knew it. Jesus doesn't, come, he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to save us from it. He knew that we couldn't keep it, but the law is still the law. Now, if 
so speak and so do as they that are judged by the law of liberty. If you keep God's law, it's very liberating. Freedom. Liberty, right? You, you understand that. The Bible says liberty. It means freedom. Is there a law that leads to freedom? Yeah. <laughs> keep what God tells you to do. It's very freeing. Do what God tells you to do. It's very freeing. That's a good place for an amen. Hey, do what God tells you to do. It's very, very freeing. But if you do what you want you to do, it always leads to bondage. I can do whatever I want. I don't know who. Nobody's going to tell me what I can do. See, somebody is on their way to bondage every time. It only works 100% of the time. Do what God tells you to do, and it leads to freedom. Isn't that, that's not intuitive. Because we think if, if I'm running the show and I pull all the, uh, I get to be the captain of my own life, and I can do anything I want, it's a good place to be. The Bible says, yeah, at the end of that, there's chains, there's shackles, there's addictive. It's, just, it's, a, it's a whirlpool into a vortex of just, at the end, you end up in a, the jail cell of your own making. I want to be free. Well, it is, for, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand fast and don't be entangled again into a yoke of bondage. Sin is, 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 is binding. The law brings liberty. What well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it's freedom. For he, so speaking and so do you, as they that have been judged by the law of liberty, for you, he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What does any of this mean? Let's unpack this. This is like uber important. Well, I don't, I, okay, I, I, listen, Adam, are you, you're talking about adultery, which I don't do. You're talking about murder, which I don't do. You're talking about lying. I always tell the truth. You're talking about cheating on taxes. I wouldn't even dream of it. You're talking about stealing. I don't do that. By the way, good. I'm not suggesting you do any of those things. If you tell me you don't, I'll believe you. That's fine. I hope you don't. I mean, it's a, that's a good thing. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. One of the problems with... I've got to thread this needle just right. I'm not inviting anyone to be unrighteous. One of the problems with having a history of unrighteousness like me is I'm not, I know that you keeping the law does not lead to going to heaven. And I have taken advantage of and drunk deeply from God's mercy. I understand what it is to have mercy shown to me. I'm the woman caught in adultery who was dragged before Jesus Christ. We all are. But some of us perceive it better. I'm that person. Just go ahead and stone me. I got nothing. I got no defense. And what happens? Mercy comes. And I drink deep and like, I like this. This is wonderful. Can I ever in my life ever be judgmental and show no mercy against everyone? You, you, remember, you remember Jesus tells whole parables about this. Some guy that like, a thousand talents he owns. You know, I did the math on that one time. It's like $600,000 worth of day's wages. If you lived that and, and made all that money and only spent it towards paying that debt at 600,000 years or something, you would have paid it all off. <laughs> Who does that? You're not going to live that long to pay off that thousand whatever. And, the, and be patient. 
I'll pay it all. <laughs> You're ridiculous. But the master has compassion and he forgives. Don't you realize you're the six hundred you're the six hundred thousand year in debt guy? Don't you understand you've done a thousand talents worth of mischief of sin? Don't you understand that's what you owe? And then he goes out right, and this guy who owes him it's kind of like a hundred bucks. Okay, it was whatever it was. It wasn't big big money. He's pay me what you owe me, and the guy's like. I, be patient with me, and I'll pay all. He has the exact same, to the letter, the exact same phrase as the other guy spoke to his master. And he wouldn't hear it. and he, he, So he has him thrown in prison. And when the, when the master hears that, he just goes berserk. Wait, I forgive him this huge death? And he wouldn't... You realize, Jesus has much to say about this, right? I think if you're very righteous or you perceive yourself as very righteous, it sets up kind of a legalism. How come everyone can't be at my great standard? I'm I'm living way up here. I'm just sin-free and I'm so wonderful. Aren't I? How come you can't be wonderful like me? I I hate that. It makes my skin crawl. That holier-than-thou stuff, I hate that. I'm inviting you to be righteous because you can be through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm not, my whole thing is like, hey, be like, be perfect like I am. I never say that. I don't even joke about that. I have messed it up so bad. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he says, yeah, gotcha. I gotcha. Now, how am I going to turn around and be not merciful to anybody under any circumstance? Do do I have a list of people who've offended me who, if I ever get the chance, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to. And no such list exists. Wouldn't you be ashamed of me if it did? No, we have to be merciful. So maybe you got it down. Maybe you got it down on not committing adultery, not murdering, not, maybe not even lying, maybe not even stealing. Maybe you're doing really good. Are you, are you merciful? Because this is, look at, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. I read verses like this and I get, oh, God, if I have anything against anybody ever, and I always talk like, people will try to justify and they'll say, well, you don't understand what they did. I don't care how the horror stories, the huge, I, I, no, I, I agree with you, I believe you, I, 100%, I absolutely, I, I know, I, I get it. And what is it? Calling for mercy. I, I am, <laughs> Hey, Lord, just don't ever let me fall into this. Where I, has anyone ever stabbed me in the back? Yeah, yeah. You live long enough, somebody will. Adam, you're such a lovable guy. Why would? Because I'm a loud mouth and I'm kind of arrogant sometimes, and I'm kind of very opinionated. And people take up off, opposite opinions, and people don't like me all the time. That's why I'm not on Facebook. I'd be, I'd be virulent. You kick me out of the chair. I'd have to fire myself if I was on Facebook. But I can be, I can be that way. So I'm like, Lord, uh, you know, what happens when somebody slaps you? Turn it off from the other cheek, also. Without mercy, or oh, let it never be named among us. Let it never be named among us. He shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. We're told. Him, I can't remember. I think it's in uh, the end of uh, Romans. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
Mercy triumphs over justice is what it says. Does God owe us judgment? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We hate squishy judges. You know, you stand in front of someone's courtroom and they're all like, I'll let you off this time, but if next time you rape 17 women, well, I'm going to really throw the book at you and say, don't you do that. We hate judges like that. And God, how can he be like that? How can he be, it's okay, what you've done, don't worry, don't sweat it, you're good. It's taken care of. How can he do that? It's under the blood. The penalty has been paid. Justice happened. It just didn't happen to you. Mercy has triumphed over judgment. Aren't you glad? Praise God, because there's a, a horrible hell awaiting every one of us if that's not true. But God says, I'd rather be merciful to you. I'd rather just for, be forgiving. I'd rather, and we're never more forgiving as when we have mercy. And we're never more satanic as when we hold a grudge. When they come crawling in here on their hands and knees, then I'll forgive them. Hey, they ain't coming. And you're still all bottled up with that. If I could ever get my hands on them. Just forgive them. Just forgive them. Now, listen, I want to tell you one thing. I, I, I see the time. We're done here. Okay, last point. You with me? We forgive in faith. It doesn't mean we ever feel good about what happened. When you get stabbed in the back, oh, that hurt. <laughs> That's not pleasant at all. <laughs> Never saw it coming. Ouch. You ever going to feel good about that? No, it's just, a, it's just a simple. It was wrong. I feel bad about it, and I'm forgiven anyway. We forgive in faith, okay? We don't wait till we feel good about something. Don't wait. I, I, I tell you this how it works with me. Feelings will catch up. Don't wait for them. Let's stand. Let's pray. Next week, faith without works. Important stuff. Is that confusing to you? We'll, we'll unpack it. We'll, when we leave, we'll all know what it says in such and such a way that we won't be able to miss it. Father, we thank you. This, this book is wiping us out. I, wiping me out. So plain spoken. So helpful. So uh, down to earth. Lord, we thank and praise for your word. Help it to have that cleansing effect in our lives. Lord, we want to keep the law of liberty. We want to be free. We thank you for everything what we're thinking about. And again, Lord, just that we might take this word and that would find a home in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. It is our desire to get God's Word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all